Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. just want to put a bit of context on what you're about to hear. Uh, the first part of the podcast is a reading of If I Must Die by our good friend Dr. Rifat Alarir by the actor Brian Cox and we've decided to include it as it is such a brilliant reading of Rifat's final poem. Following that, there is a conversation with a wonderful Palestinian-Colombian uh, Georgie who joined us from from Colombia to have a discussion about support for Palestine and Israel in Latin America. So you're in for a real treat there. But this is the part where I remind you that the Tortoise has no ads or sponsors. We rely entirely on you to pay it forward to keep the podcast free for everyone. The only way to keep the mics on, lights on, and conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening is if you go to patreon.com forward slash tortoise throw us the price of a fancy cup of coffee once a month. It is the easiest bit of activism you can do, and it is apparently the season of goodwill. So if you have some of that little Christmas cheer to share, share it with us. Come on board, join us, and let us uh, keep going into 2024. We really appreciate every cent we get. We're a small independent platform and we rely entirely on the generosity of you, dear listeners, to keep the show on the road. So one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise Over to Brian Cox. If I Must Die by Rifat Alaria, November the 1st, 2023. If I must die, you must live to tell my story, to sell my things, to buy a piece of cloth and some strings. Make it white with a long tail, so that a child somewhere in Gaza, while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad who left in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh, not even to himself, sees the kite, my kite you made, flying up above, and thinks for a moment, an angel is there, bringing back love. If I must die, let it bring hope. Let it be a tale. Hello everyone. Uh, Georgie, could you please, uh, if you're typing or anything, just mute yourself. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to Palcast, a podcast brought to you by Helena Coben from Washington D.C. and uh, Tony Groves. Uh, today we are joined by our special guest, uh, Georgie Saman Guterres from Colombia, who is of a Palestinian um, origin. Uh, there are uh, over twenty-five to thirty million. Um, Palestinians who, uh, sorry, Arabs who live in uh, Latin America, and uh, they have a very uh, strong uh, influence on politics there. Uh, hello, everyone, and uh, welcome, uh, Georgie. Uh, just a reminder to our uh, listeners, uh, today is December 12, uh, and it's 4 p.m. here in, in, in Istanbul, where I am uh, talking uh, from uh, Tony, how, how is the situation in, in, in Ireland today and uh, politics well, it, there and the weather? The weather's bad. Uh, so it's that's just Irish winter. It starts for, you know, we get nine months of winter and then it rains for the other three months. But um, but look, I just want to say 
um, we've had fantastic feedback since we started this podcast. So many people have discovered us because of word of mouth. And that's really important that you guys continue to share, send a message on whatever social media it is and, and leave us a review. Go on your player and leave us a review because that actually pushes up the charts and helps other people discover us. Um, and thank you to everybody who is listening. I think I told Yusuf and Helena, and I, so I'm going to tell you listeners now. The average podcast gets 120 downloads in its first 60 days. That's it. 120 downloads in its first 60 days. Last week, the podcast did over 4,500. That's pretty good, guys. That's that's top level. So well done to Helena and Yusuf. And thank you for, for asking me to come on board. But if, if you're listening, share it. Let people know. Please let people know. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Um, how are you, Helena? And how is the situation in Washington, D.C.? Uh, you know, there are a lot of people these days uh, remembering our friend Rifat al-Ar'ir and um, the legacy he left behind. He was killed by Israel six days ago. Uh, I, I can't believe that he's gone and I will never refer to him in the past tense. Yeah, well, thanks for asking, Yusuf. It's been a really, really um, difficult few days, obviously. All of us are, are dealing with our grief over the killing of, of Rifat. And for me here in Washington, D.C., on the traditional land of the Piscataway people, um, it's been far worse because the day after the Israelis killed Rifat, our government here um, vetoed the ceasefire resolution for Gaza, which just, you know, broke my heart. There've been a lot of uh, popular protests on the streets here, but they don't make any, any difference. But anyway, it's good to be with you, Yusuf, and with Tony and with our super guest today, Georgie. Thank you. Thank you, Helena. And um, for, for listeners, there is a chair in Helena's um, house uh, named after Rifat because he liked to stretch there and sit there when we visited. And it's called uh, Rifat's uh, Chair, uh, I hope you keep it, uh, Helena, forever. Um, it's it's Rifat's memory. Georgie, you also knew Rifat from social media. Can you yeah. talk about first your of knowledge of, of, of Rifat? Yes, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on your podcast to Helen, Tony. Uh, it's a very nice pleasure to meet such a great people and if they are your friends they are my friends and brothers and sisters too thank you so much um um yes i i followed rafat i didn't have the chance to to speak to him as i have had the the honor to meet to meet you yusuf uh, but i i always see i always saw in him uh, the dignity the decency the life of the palestinian uh, people that was taught for to me since my childhood from city from my grandma my father my aunt and um when i see, when i saw your picture with him i i uh, just uh, only confirmed the kind of human being he was and it's uh, it's a tragedy not for palestine but for humanity that someone of this moral and intellectual and and um stature and and this decency uh, was murdered by this savages so in his memory always we 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 will never forget nor forgive thank you thank you for these words uh georgie uh you you also have been very active on twitter x yeah. 
uh, in Spanish talking about Palestine. Um, could you please tell us about your experience and how you saw like people in Latin America in Spanish speaking countries reacting to the genocide in Gaza today? Yes. Well, first of all, not only in Twitter, I have been I've been trying to be active uh, on on academic scenarios and personal circles, friends, uh, people, uh, just spontaneous people. I speak on, on Palestine every day, everywhere. One, my my theories, my 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 purpose is: if they like it, okay. If they don't like it, you can leave. I don't care. I I speak on Palestine almost everything. Um. And uh, yeah, in social media mainly because this is the only outlet. Uh, Twitter. I don't have Instagram or, or Facebook. I was. I had to close my Facebook to go into the land of my grandpa in 2016 because the the Israeli occupation was checking my Facebook, and they, if they saw what I had on Facebook, I would have been uh, denied the entrance uh, or to my hometown. I mean, an Ukrainian or a Russian guy could have prevented me from going to to know my my hometown my family's hometown because i just posted something on facebook by this time if i was in gaza or in 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 Kuts or in in maybe in bethlehem i would have been killed also like rafat of course i'm not even one inch of rafat but just the fact that i'm posting uh, permanently what happens in palestine uh, i'm sure i would have been killed a target also by just posting because this is what This is what many Palestinians have done, and this is why they have been in jail. Are, are there a lot of people who are interacting with your, you know, uh, feeds and tweets yes. about Gaza? Yes, I, I, I uh, first of all, uh, there's a, a great uh, account in Spanish, Palestina Hoy, which translates Palestine today, but in Spanish. And uh, we have this. Um, I, I know you told me I cannot curse, so I'm not going to curse. Just imagine what I'm trying to say. But uh, all this, uh, I have to curse Habibi. All this, I mean, all these savages, you know, these these Zionist uh, thugs, to be decent, uh, they are just threatening us. They just put a couple of days ago a target on my kids. On my my picture in Twitter is my me and my kid, and they just put a target on my kid and me and myself, and they keep doing this. Because this is what they do. They, they want to threat. They want to menace. I say, I am in tal in this in this city. Come for me, Mossad. I don't care. I mean, I don't, I don't care. And this account has more than five hundred forty thousand followers in Spanish. And this is basically the main outlet, Palestine Today, Palestina Hoy, and it has been taking the news on Palestine to the Spanish uh, public from Spain to Argentina, Mexico, Chile, everywhere, Colombia. And the the Zionist propaganda, and I'm 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 uh, I'm uh, not the the account manager or anything, but I collaborate with them the most I can. And um, there are many people behind it. This these idiots think it's myself or only one or two. It's like tenths tenths of people that that are supporting the account Palestine today. And this the the Hasbara that has invested so much money on their crap and their lies. They are crazy because they have no idea how this account, without any money, without any support from government, is it has been retweeted by presidents, by ministers, by artists, by everybody, and has more than five hundred forty thousand followers. By at the minute we are speaking, so with all the money they invested, they are crazy. They don't know why. the The answer is simple. 
people want to know the truth and they don't buy the Israeli propaganda anymore as they used to before. So uh, we don't yes. care. We are many people. And it's not only me. We are many, many people in Spain, Chile, Argentina, many people, Mexico. Despite, despite so many things against us, people know that what we are doing in Latin America for to trying to make some conscious, some sensibility on the Palestinian issue is nothing. Whatever price we pay is nothing what, compared to the price that people, really heroes and martyrs like Rafat, have, have paid. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Georgie. Um, Helena, do, do you think that the governments of Latin America have uh, somehow a similar position on what's happening in Gaza compared to, to the streets and people on the ground? Well, goodness, I, I really, when George is here, I don't want to <laughs> like speak too much. Of course, the governments of uh, Georgie is the real expert, but but the you know the governments of Latin America cover a, a wide, very wide spectrum, and we've just seen the election of this uh, very troubling right wing figure in Argentina, for example, right next to Lula, who's in Brazil, and and uh, President. Petro in in Colombia, so so it's a huge spectrum. Now, um, from our perspective here in the north northern part of this landmass, it's clear that um, settler colonialism has been huge throughout the whole of North America and South America, and so you've had amazing indigenous resistance and uprisings. You've had just a, a wonderful history of resistance throughout Latin America, but it still remains kind of at, at a broad level, the backyard of the United States, which is like the Monroe Doctrine, which is 200 years old this month, um, the Monroe Doctrine. And some friends of mine recently in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is where Monroe is is uh, buried, they tried to bury the Monroe Doctrine. So it's great to see many governments of Latin America starting now. Well, not it's, they're not just starting. I mean, you've had Cuba and Venezuela and, and obviously Allende's Chile ha have really resisted the U.S. empire. Um, Today, the, the process continues. I leave it to Georgie to give us much more detail. Yes. Um, Latin America, um, it's Latin America has, well, to, to begin with, the, 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 the scenario of Latin America regarding the Palestinian issue, you have to take in account two, two main things. First, the history of Latin America uh when the um, in the 50s 60s 70s when the when the um, uh leftist movements popular movements searching seeking for a, a national a nationalist view a nationalist future for latin america basically trying to to escape from the influx of any empire especially united states because basically what they wanted was the natural resources of latin america and some leaders Many leaders in, in everywhere in Central America, South America, they just managed to, to find a goal in, in, the, in the real sovereignty, real independence uh, for our, our people. Of course, this was uh, supported by the other empire, which was the Soviet Union back then. And you, we all know what the United States thought about the Soviet Union. So Latin America became a scenario uh, between the two 
two poles of uh, reigning poles of 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 the world, the U.S. and the U.S.S.R. Uh, Israel in this turmoil uh, um, uh, played the role of a hitman selling uh, mercenaries, sending mercenaries and sending weapons to the right-wingers who supported the United States. And of course, in Colombia, for example, a whole political group was annihilated, the Union Patriotica, Patriotic, Patriotic Union, which I have friends that survived to this uh, massacre. More than 5,000 politicians and social leaders in the 90s and uh, in the 80s were murdered with the help of Israel. And this was documented in many ways. I translated a year ago uh, one very nice, very thoroughful, very deep article of Dan Cohen, you know, this journalist, American journalist, Dan. I, I think you are a friend of him. Dan is a great guy. And I, I translated to Spanish one of the articles that reflected uh, how the Israel influence Uh, uh, helped in this annihilation of the Union Patriotica group. And this is just one example. This goes all tied up to the Condor plan, which was the American, uh, the United States plan to to kill uh, Allende in Chile, to uh, implant the the right-wing um, dictatorship, military dictatorship in Argentina, and so on, so on, so on. Uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, Nicaragua, you know, all what happened. So this This also has an influence now because, um, to be honest, the left, the leftist movement have been in debt with the, with the Latin American people. They have been sometimes sold out. They have been sometimes so uh, inefficient. They have been uh, not, really, not really what the Latin American people expected. So many Latin American people just th see the right wing, including Israel, as some sort of fighters against terrorism in Latin America, capitalist, um, um, uh, how you say, superheroes, you know. Um, so there's one portion of the Latin Americans that align with the Zionism because they have this imaginary that, oh, Israel is our savior against the communist guerrillas, which is absolutely uh, false. But, you know, this is an imaginary. The second affluent is the... Latin American has been a very impoverished, even though it's so rich, naturally, it has been so bad managed by everybody, left, right, center, whatever you want to call it. It's just a bunch of thoughts in most of the cases. Not, not all, but most of the cases. They have just been depraved and, uh, and they have just been uh, uh, thieves of the Latin American treasure. So uh, Latin America is a very poor place considering all the potential it has. When you have these situations of anguish, not only violence, but poverty, uh, you many people try to have a refuge somewhere. And religion is one of the main refuge. When there's so much pain, so much, so much death and unfairness and justice, you have religion as, as, a, as a refuge. And who took advantage of these boring Catholic masses? The evangelicals, you know? The evangelicals, not all support Israel, but you know where, where it all comes from. These are the guys that elect uh, Trump, elect, elect Bush, and they say that God needs to have Palestine just for the Jewish people. So the Messiah, Jesus Christ, come again. And why do you want Jesus Christ to come again? Just to convert everybody who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. And guess who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah, the Jews. 
They, they, neither I nor the Jews. I am agnostic. I come from a Christian Catholic I, I, family, I, I, but I, I, I don't want believe to point out the listeners. This is one of the the things that the the, the center of Zionism. There was always. Uh, uh, Christian founders of Zionism who believed in Zionism as a gateway to anti-Semitism, which is just kind of a contradiction yeah. in itself. Um, but you, you've raised, you know, like you've 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 touched on the corruption, but you, what you haven't touched on, I suppose, is, is the is the what, what what Yusuf said earlier: the streets are the streets with Palestine. Are the people out? Are the streets with Palestine? Are the streets with Gaza? Yeah, yeah, I'm going there. So yeah, um, where is the support of Palestine? Uh, many academics, uh, public universities, students, people that have read, people that have not uh, fallen into the, the two paradig paradigms. Uh, sorry, my English. I have been so rusty in it in the last 20 years. Uh, um, uh, people that have not fallen for the two so uh, uh, fake um, scenarios that I uh, draw to you before. Um, I am surprised the first time in my life I have been... Uh, I'm 49, but I, I've been honestly conscious on Palestine at least for 35 years uh, since I was a teenager. And this is the first time I see so much support for Palestine, even though, even though we have all these things against us, you know, uh, because when you, when, when Colombians, for example, when Colombians see that the ex leftist guerrilla that did so many bad things, also against the Colombian people because they didn't did they didn't do the right thing they should have done. But you know, they made mistakes. When they, they see this ex-guerrilla leader supporting Palestine, many people in Colombia reject Palestine. But despite this, despite this, many, many people go above above this uh, prejudice, prejudice and they still support Palestine. Students, um common people people that read, people that study, um, uh, most of them middle class, so um, economic, social, middle and low middle class. Because what I have discovered also in, in the Latin American experience is that Palestine is also a matter of class, it, it, even though it shouldn't be. You know, it's a matter of humanity. But in the reality, you know, the ones who, want, who have some privilege, and I, I, I should fall here into... Uh, what Yusuf have have uh, heard me so much so many times, and most of the Palestinian, Lebanese, and Syrian um, uh, people here in in Colombia, for example, and in Latin America, they are they are rich and they have so much political power. You see, we Salvador has a Palestinian president, um, it, and it has had it has had some two or three more, I, I guess. Colombia had a Lebanese president in the eighties. And in the in, in 40 years before, also they had a a, vice, um, a candidate, and there are many politicians, the entrepreneurs. They are all Arab. In my city, the Arabs, Palestine and Lebanese, mostly, and a couple of Syrians, they are the ones who uh, call the shots in my city in Barranquilla, the, one of the main Colombian cities in the Caribbean. Uh, two million habitant uh, people. It's it's a, it's a big city. And what happened with these people? They're, they're, they forgot, they forgot where, why they are here. They forgot that if some, if their grandpas, if their father and mother, if their great grandpas wouldn't have had, uh, the, the opportunity to escape, to go to the new world, they would have been killed or maybe in a refugee camp. So now that they have money, 
most of them well earned, but not all. I mean, the, not all are saints, just entrepreneurs. We know, well know that. Um, now that they have money, they are so afraid of losing their social position and they are so afraid of the of the Zionist lobby because even though they are small, they are so powerful. You know, we have our little IPACs here in Latin America too. And basically they have um, otherwise like Palestinians, like the Palestinians and the Arabs, they know how to use the money and they have bought the conscience of politicians and news and journalists. So now... The Arabs, the rich Arabs here, they are afraid of losing their position just to saying the word Palestine. Fortunately, yes, Georgia, yeah. thank, people... thank you, thank you for raising um, this point because I yeah. read recently that uh, British musician, uh, who's uh, very also vocal in Palestine, uh, yeah. Roger Waters, faced boycott and pressure by lobbies, pro-Israel lobbies in, in Latin America. Who are these people and where do they get their influence from? Well, uh, I have been insulted and threatened by everybody, so I know perfectly where they come from. Uh, first of all, the main um, the main hub of the Zionist uh, operation, the Mossad operation and the and the um, propaganda Hasbara operation in in Latin America lies in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and uh, you can you can you can if you know history you can trace some trend here. If if you have read some Abishlaim talking about what happened to the Jews in Iraq, you will easily know what happened to Argentina some years ago. I think 1995 there was a very bloody. Um, terrorist act against the Daya community. Daya is the Jewish community in Buenos Aires, Argentina, which is the biggest community in Latin America of Jewish people um, coming from the Europe of the Nazi regime, escaping from them. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure if all escaped from the Nazi regime or some were Nazis and they just camouflated in Buenos Aires, you know, because when you see how Zionists in Argentina have act. You you cannot you have to doubt. I mean, but okay, going back. So th there was a, a, um, a terrorist act in Argentina, and since then, and with the economic crisis that happened in the 90s and the 2000s in Argentina, many Argentinian Jews went to occupied Palestine. By the way, when I say Israel, I refer you know in quotation marks, and uh, they went to Palestine, occupied Palestine. Exactly what happened in. Iraq in the 48, what Abishlaim said. They uh, they want to blame Hezbollah and Iran for this terrorist act, but many of us are absolutely sure that it was the Mossad. Because I mean, what does Iran want to want to earn with this? There's nothing absolutely that Hezbollah has to do business in Argentina. Killing. Uh, by the way, the, the the murder were not only Jews. There were few Jews and many bystanders Argentinian, which had nothing to do with the Jewish community. Uh, and this is exactly the the modus operandi of the Mossad everywhere. This is the biggest population of Jews. We need to populate Palestine. We need to create also a a, um, a protection against like, any critic criticism against Israel. Let's blow something up. This is what they have done in, in everywhere. So Argentina is the biggest hub of these criminals. And many, many, I have many Argentinian Jews friends. One of them, I need to mention him, Elad Abraham. He's a young guy in his 30s, I guess, 
from Rosario, Argentina, one of the main Argentinian cities. He he made a movie, a beautiful movie. He went to he in the 2000s, he went to uh, the IOF, to the Israeli Occupation Force. He he was a raised in a Zionist home, just like a parallel of Miko Pellet, maybe. And Elad went to, to the occupation army and he came back. He said, this is crazy. I'm not belonging here. And he made... Uh, last year, he he produced by himself. He he is not a rich guy. He 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 had to mortgage his home in Rosario, and he produced a great great movie called Bahar Subir Bahar. Um, it got translated uh, descent, uprise, descent, maybe going up, going down. Uh, um, and he wants to promote it. He has been targeted, threatened. His movie was taken out of the social media. But but he he managed to win a couple of pr local prizes in Argentina. The well, what about what about the uh, new president in Argentina? What, what's wrong yeah, with these guys me, with, uh, yeah, with yeah, you yeah, know fluffy hair and? Yeah, let, let, let me finish. Sorry, Joseph. Let me finish because this is very important. Um, so uh, he he denounced this, and because many Jewish in Argentina were murdered in the dictatorship, and many leftist leftist Jewish guys. Uh, and women have have uh, been murdered and threatened by the right wing, supported by these Zionists, as well as they have the biggest Jewish community and the biggest Zionist community in in Latin America. Argentina has also the biggest anti-Zionist Jewish, but they are so attacked, and we need to support them so much. And not only in Argentina, Bogota, Colombia, there's also they go through academics and news. They they take journalists and professors to Palestine on a free trip for eight days and they show how beautiful Israel is. They show how beautiful, uh, how how they are so brave defending from all these savages around that they want to just kill them because they are Jews. All this crap we all know. And this is how they earn the, the power in the media. And journalists and academics know that if they speak against Israel, they will be attacked and blocked by this lobby. Colombia, Peru, Chile, uh, El Salvador, everywhere, they are using the same modus operandi. Uh, blackmailing, pressure, and very nice gifts for the cheap conscience they find abundantly in Latin America. And what you say, what you say about Millet, this, this clown that, uh, that uh, just was yesterday, uh, two days ago crowned like uh, the president of Argentina, uh, this, This guy is one stooge of the Zionist uh, uh, propaganda. Uh, Ultra-liberal, his, his, his famous slogan is Hooray for the freedom. Uh, he just announced that there will be some tough months ahead. He announced to, to um, move the embassy of Argentina from Tel Aviv to, to Jerusalem. And uh, he's just the biggest stooge uh, of the Zionism propaganda in Latin America, besides After what I say, it's one of the most shameful, shameful human beings in history in Latin America, which is Bukele from El Salvador, who, who blocked me in Twitter because I told him, yeah, you're a Palestinian. But the first thing the first thing you did when you arrived to the presidency of El Salvador is go and kiss Netanyahu's ass in, in, in Jerusalem um, instead of talking about your people and how, and how, how your father arrived to El Salvador and why your father had to come to El Salvador. So he blocked me. I'm nothing, but he blocked me because he cannot stand the truth. And this, uh, like both of these clowns, 
uh, there are many in Latin America because basically, and I'm finishing with this, I'm sorry for extended, but you know, I have to say it. Uh, basically, this happened for two main reasons, um, my friends. One, because the older generations that came to Colum to Latin America, not only after Nakba, but uh, during the Ottoman Empire, which were the first immigration, they wanted their trauma, their trauma, their pain was so hard, so much in Palestine and in Syria and Lebanon, that they just wanted to forget, leave behind and find a new meaning. And most of that, most of them did, but they forgot to tell their children why they were here, right? In, 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 our, in the most Arab families, one out of three people, and I can say it, I don't have any statistic, serious report, but I, I made my own personal survey on so many friends from Arab origin, not only Palestine. And one of three, they know the history. In my case, this is. In my cousin's case, that's it. Many friends, they are three. Only one of the brothers of the siblings um, know the history and speaks out on Palestine and uh, Syria and Lebanon. Uh, and this is why the big mistake of the older generation, we, which we have not, com we, we don't have to repeat, is that they, they didn't tell the new generation what happened. They just wanted to move on, and it's okay, it's great to move on, but you never have to re forget what happened before. First, and, um, well, the second, I, I just forgot, but uh, uh, the second maybe is because they, they did so well, they did so well, most of the people, the Arabs, they did so well in every field that they found themselves so comfortable and they say, oh, why I'm gonna why I'm gonna find some problems and I'm just so relaxed being rich and being powerful. Forget, I'm here. I'm from here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I eat waragdawali, I eat hummus at birthdays, I eat uh, baklawe, I eat uh, mamul. Yeah, and I dance dapke from time to time because, oh, it's so sexy to be in Arab, you know, it's really sexy here in Latin America. I'm so ugly and I have been lucky just for being really Palestinian origin, you know? And it's so sexy. And yeah, but they only use the Arabness just for that. But they they don't they don't want to see the history. That's two main things. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. I got you. Uh Helena, you, you wanted to say something, right? Yeah, I I wanted to ask about the Palestinians in Chile, where you have the largest um yeah. population of Palestinians anywhere outside of the Arab world. And I've I've met a couple of young Palestinian activists from Chile. Uh, and I see things on social media, like they have um, Palestinian football teams. And uh, Yusuf yeah. has has this great little saying about how, like, in every village in Chile, there is a policeman, a uh, what, what's the other, the policeman and and a priest a and a priest. and a Palestinian. But uh, I, I pointed out to Yusuf that actually, usually, probably the the priest is is Palestinian, and probably the policeman is Palestinian. So maybe it's you know only two people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, tell us about Chile as much yeah. as you know. Well, I have many contacts in Chile, fortunately, and Chile it's a great example of it's the most organized community, uh, different from what we have in Colombia, which our community was very well organized ten years ago, but. Thanks to the negative influence of the ambassador from the Palestinian Authority, the brother of this Thug Al Malki, uh, which has been just recently denounced as a thief uh, from her consul, his consul, um, with all the proofs and all. But that's another topic. If you want me to speak about it, we'll be very glad to. But 
to your question, Helen, specifically, Chile is a very well-organized very well organized community. There's a soccer team, Palestino de Chile, which just recently, yesterday or Sunday, classified to the main South American tournament for the next year, the Copa Libertadores, which is something like the Champions League, where where the Celtic is my favorite team. I hope you're Celtic, Tony. Um, um, or Scotland. I mean, Celtic Scotland, but you know, it's 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 Cla- Glasgow, for, Glasgow for Celtic. Yes, we, we we're all. Iowa, Iowa. Uh, so uh, Palestino Chile was founded in 1920 by the Palestinian community. So it's 28 years older than this uh, farce called Israel. And um, not only the soccer team, but they have uh, foundations, Belen, Belen 2000, Bethlehem 2000 a Foundation. They have a very well organized. There's a great guy there, Daniel Hadwe uh, from the Communist Party. Daniel was a presidential candidate uh, last election. Um, and uh, they have a joint political coalition in the Congress. It's called Friends of Palestine or something like that. Excuse me, I don't remember exactly the name, but they are a multi-political party pluralist uh, coalition that speaks on Palestine, which is the only country that really has it. And this has been copied by the Hasbara in many places. Now in Colombia, we have Friends of Israel, you know, all these right-winger mafia thugs that we have here. Uh, so um, uh, they do a lot of cultural and social uh, actions and uh, they are very well, very well uh, educated on the topic. They, I, I don't know exactly what happened in Chile that didn't happen in Colombia or Salvador or, or Honduras or Argentina or Peru, where there's also many Arabs. But something good happened in Chile and we have to replicate it. And it's basically education. I guess the ones who arrived to Chile, they really spoke out and uh, did so many things. Uh, I have no idea. I'm not a sociologist, but I have some theories. Uh, Chile um, Chile suffered the the process of dictatorship and uh, the threatening of their democracy. Maybe this uh, helped somehow to make some conscience. And uh, yeah, Chile is great. I mean, Chile... It, it also has a, a, a Zionist, uh, very fanatical Zionist um, group. They are constantly um, colliding, and uh, but they are great. I mean, Chile is a great uh, beam of light in, in Latin America for all us Palestinian lovers. The only the only thing I want to want to ask is is because we've seen it here. You've mentioned the the the, the power of of you know these groups. But I also think that in, you know, particularly when it comes to say Colombia, for example, and Brazil, Ireland went through a bailout after the global financial crisis. Ireland lost its sovereignty because we owed money because of our banks had crashed. Ireland had the IMF arrive. Ireland then deals off the IMF. Whereas uh, the governments that 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 the IMF didn't like, like Colombia, like um, like Brazil, they got they got uh, hit with higher interest rates than Ireland did. They got they you know this was kind of financial uh, colonialism, financial imperialism. That ability of that's still extractivism. That's still you know the West taking money by by charging. It's like saying me saying to you, I'm going to give you a thousand quid and I'm going to charge you ten percent, but I might give you a credit card at twenty percent to repay me from it. You know, and and this is what the IMF did to to um to these 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 economies when they were struggling. Does that play into this as well? Because we see it now that the use of Global finance is is having an influence because, like you know, 
in Israel, they're now talking about we'll give, we'll help pay down, we'll get, we'll get a better deal with the IMF if Egypt take more Palestinian um, refugees. So does the does the power of finance have a big influence in this? And it's not just you know the Zionist lobby; it's the power of money and the IMF and how it's how it's weaponized. Yeah, uh, yeah. What happened to Ireland is in many ways what happened to Latin America. Latin America is constantly in debt. And Latin America is so a, such a satellite of the United States, which is the godfather of Israel, and uh, and uh, basically uh, it it has not made a, a big difference in the development of Latin America. But the, what if there's something the um, Latin American politicians are afraid of is of losing the visa for going to visiting Mickey Mouse at at Orlando, you know. They are so afraid of not being able to go to, you know, to see Donald Duck and to see um, the the Empire State Life in New York. They are so afraid. They have no idea what Istanbul has to offer. They have no idea that beauty, the beautiful scenarios of the Levant. They they just want to go to Miami. Their dream, the most Latin American rich people, uh, the politicians and the elite here, they just dream of having a very, even though they owe it to the bank, they, they want to just to have a big, nice apartment on, in the front of Miami Beach. So if you go... If you go against this, uh, against this uh, slavery, financial slavery that you well described, Tony, uh, for Ireland is the same in Latin America. Of course, with different uh, spectrum, with right, but um, they are so so afraid of going against this. So when you have somebody that um, uh, that uh, wants to go against uh, falling in debt eternally uh, with the IMF or or the United States, he either gets killed or 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 uh, a coup, yeah. a military coup. So uh, this is basically Latin America politics, being afraid of the United States. One thing that's really important to point out from, for Irish listeners. By the way. Just let me finish, George, really quickly. Sorry, the, sorry. On, for Irish listeners, you said about freedom of movement, wanting to go from Latin America to, to North America. Right now, if you're an Israeli settler on the West Bank, you can fly to Ireland, you can move around the Schengen zone in the EU, no problem. If you're a Palestinian and you're in the West Bank, you can't. So, you know, like we can be doing more. And I just think about that freedom of movement piece about people wanting to go to Miami. We see it in Europe all the time. We just ignore it. We just pretend it's not happening because uh, it's it's more, it's, 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 Another fight that we, we, we're not ready to have. But I think, Georgie, you, you touch on something really important, though. When you say about the financial slavery, what also happened in Ireland was different. Is They allowed Ireland to become the tax haven that would get itself out of trouble, whereas they punished Latin American countries because we, we, happen, to be, we happen to be quite uh, white uh, uh, um, Judeo-Christian uh, countries, you know? So it's very different in Europe. And, we're, and Ireland is, has been, you know, as I said, we had our debt written down. We had our interest rates cut, whereas that's not what has happened. That's not has been the experience in Latin America. Sorry, I don't know if Helena wanted to come in there. No, I, I'm just really glad you raised those issues, Tony. Is the whole role of financial controls in the the um, neoliberal imperial project these days is a huge thing. And you mentioning that thing about you know the IMF indicating it would write down some of Egypt's debt if if the Egyptians would take um, Palestinians from Gaza. 
that's huge. Of course, you also have right now the rise of the BRICS, which as of January is supposed to have Egypt as a full member along with Saudi Arabia, UAE and, and Iran. So there, there, there is a kind of a counter, um, movement internationally. But as of now, Western financial instruments are literally lethal for individuals, you know, throughout many of those sanctioned countries and for whole communities. So thanks for mentioning that, Tony. And um, I'm going to hand it back to Yusuf. Um, thank you. Thank you, uh, Georgie, Helena, and, and Tony. Um, speaking of travel restrictions, one time I was on a bus. I was going back from Denmark to Sweden. There was something happened at the time that the police was very, like, um, alerted and they were searching buses and um, it was related to Israel. I don't remember the exact incident, but um, there were a couple of um, Israelis who, who spoke American English in front of me and the police asked them where they um, came from and they said uh, the United States, but they traveled on Israeli passports. So when they were asked to show their passports, they showed their Israeli passports. So they took them off the bus. And th that was the first time in my life as a Palestinian to see an Israeli being escorted by the police. It's like always, you know, the other way around, like Palestinians get escorted uh, or questioned. And uh, when the, the, the police came to me, I was like in the, um, you know, just like uh, behind them. And he asked me, where are you from? And I said, Palestine. I was very like <laughs> assertive. And they were like looking at me and then they had to leave the bus and uh, we continued without them. And I, I felt that was my uh, victory. That it, I, I told them as they got off the bus that at least they treated you better than you treat many Palestinians. Uh, uh, but, you know, allow me to conclude with this poem of Rifat. Um, uh, you know, I think it's beautiful. He he wrote it in memory of uh, a boy who drowned in the Mediterranean, a Syrian boy, if you remember him, and his picture Ayan al Kurdi went viral. Yes, Ayan al Kurdi. Rifat says, "Doom on the shores of the Mediterranean. I saw humanity drenched in salt, face down, dead, eyes gogged." hands up to the sky praying or trembling in fear. I could not tell. The sea, harsher than the heart of an Arab, dances, soaked with blood. Only the pebbles wept, only the pebbles. All the perfumes of Arabia will not, and this is a quote from Shakespeare, Rifat loved Shakespeare. All perfumes of Arabia will not grace the rot this ummah breeds, this nation breeds. Uh, so this is Rifat also remembering Ayan, Ayan al-Kurdi. Uh, thank you very much, Georgie, uh, for joining us today. Talk about Latin American politics. And uh, I think our uh, listeners will uh, excuse your cases because the situation there uh, is not perfect either. Even among Palestinians or Arabs there, um, you know, there are 25 million uh, at least uh, in Latin America who, who come from the Levant, uh, who completely assimilated with their, you know, South American and Central American societies. Uh, 
some of them are doing um, a good job, like Chile, but others, like, um, you know, people in Salvador and Colombia and uh, Honduras um, need to, to do more work for, for Palestine. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Helena and, and, and Tony, for your um, comments. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Just Word Books. Um, and uh, I am here, Yusuf Jamal, talking to you uh, from um, uh, Istanbul. I would like to thank Tony from uh, the Eco Chamber podcast, uh, who joined us from Dublin, uh, who has been our fantastic partner in, in this podcast. I would like to thank our uh, sponsors, the Hashim Sani Center for Palestine Studies uh, in Malaysia, um, I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, next week about Palestine and Gaza, uh, more discussions, a lot of things are happening back home. But the most important thing that, that happened this week for many people across the globe was the loss of our great friend Rifat Lar'ir. May he uh, rest in, in power and peace. Thank you very much.